It's Monday, October 20th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Happy Monday, gents. You too. Back for another one. Back for another one. Beautiful day out there. Oh, man. It is. Lovely. It, this lovely is weekend. Lovely weekend, yeah. and this is like the epitome of just classic fall weather. It's the two weeks that you live for here. It it is. It's the two weeks of like, this is great, and then it's it's all going to go to hell. Um, Earnings Palooza rolls on, so we will talk Halliburton. We will talk Hasbro. Let's start with Big Blue. Third quarter profits for IBM, 14% lower than expected, and the stock is having its biggest single-day drop in, I want to say, close to five years. This is... Yikes. This is... this is one of those situations where it's important to remember that the Dow Jones Industrial Average is made up of 30 stocks. <laughs> and if one of them is having a really bad day, like today with IBM, it can single-handedly pull down the Dow. It, I mean, shares of IBM down to about 7% this morning. Yeah. How, how bad was this quarter? Well, I mean, if you, you want to... <laughs> If you, no you look up the definition uninspiring, I think it refers you actually to IBM's income statement because <laughs> it is absolutely uninspiring. I mean, the revenues are not going anywhere, um, and, and I don't know, I don't know exactly what they do to turn this boat around. I mean, they are making the shift further away from hardware, more towards like the business services um, and whatnot, which can be certainly very profitable. There's certainly plenty of opportunities out there, but but IBM seems to be a very old school style of, uh, of of business and mentality versus all of these more nimble uh, startups or these these nimble companies that, that are, are you know capturing these these new markets I mean look at look at all these opportunities out there companies like Splunk that are focused on those business services very capital light business model there um, and even something like Palo Alto which is focused more on on uh, security but those are companies that, that I think are are going in there and taking uh, you, you know their fair share of that space there and in in with IBM it, it more or less just kind of seems like they're sitting on their on their hands not not doing anything you mentioned their services Side their backlogs down seven percent year over year, and that was over half their revenue last year. So, not only is current business shrinking, but future business is pulling back as well. I mean, these big companies. I, I read about this IBM report today, and I just kept thinking about Exxon, BP, Shell, all these big oil companies that witnessed the same struggle for growth over the past few years. Meanwhile, you look at Kodiak Oil and Gas just started basically a few years ago, shot through the roof because it's a small, nimble company that was able to take care of uh, some assets in the Bakken and the Eagle Ford, same thing with EOG Resources. Now these big companies are starting to sell off non-core assets because they realize they just can't hang with these tiny companies that can do what they want when they want. And uh, I think IBM is going to have to follow that same model to try and lose some of these businesses that they just don't see are going to be there in the future. Well, and they're unloading the chip business, yeah, that's right? That's true, I mean, yeah. And they're actually, have to, they have to pay to unload that thing. So it just makes you kind of scratch your head and wonder what the dynamics of that entire uh, situation were, were from the very beginning. But, uh, I mean, yeah, for, for me, I mean, I, I look at IBM, I think really almost the only way at this point, they, they just need to make a really smart acquisition, I think. I mean, if, if because it's, it's a lot easier in their case to buy it than to build it. And uh, and if there's any perception out there, especially in the tech world, that you know something like IBM is is not as forward thinking as maybe it, it once was perceived to be, I mean people just aren't even going to give it the time of day because there there are plenty of options out there for whatever type of of technology services you know any any enterprise needs. And so uh, you know whether whether it was a, an acquisition of Splunk or something like Palo Alto Networks, I mean those those are acquisitions that would be within its means. They could be relatively meaningful to the to the business. Top line, uh, and certainly certainly help them uh, on the bottom line as well because those are those are higher margin businesses. 
is a $170 billion yeah. company, so they do have the means to make those types of acquisitions. I'm curious, though, if that is the pathway to reinventing the business, because if you look at the history of IBM, certainly through the 70s and early 80s, they, they really built up their business in large part around computers. And when in 1984, Apple came out with the Mac and had that iconic Super Bowl commercial, it is aimed squarely at IBM. And IBM really took a hit. They were not nimble on the PC front. But then you look at what that company did sort of from the mid-90s to, I'm going to say, about 2010, and going the business enterprise route. Mm -hmm. And not just reinventing itself, but reinventing itself in a way that really rewarded shareholders. Like, you look at that stock, I think the numbers are somewhere in the neighborhood of about 18% per year over a 15-year period. Now, that's tremendous. I don't think any one of the three of us think it's in that position to do that right now, unless they do reinvent the business. They kind of forked over the consumer back in the 80s and 90s and just focused on businesses, and it was successful. But now that's kind of hit its peak. I don't know what they're going to do, because the consumer is gone, in my mind, for IBM. So they don't, I don't really know if they can even attack that market anymore. I'd be interested to hear Buffett's take on this. I mean, he's, I, I was reading earlier. He lost a billion know, dollars today right now. In, in this company, and I used a billion dollars down with the sell-off. And, um, you know, I mean, we, we saw recently this partnership with Apple, which I think is, is I'm not exactly how, I'm not exactly sure how that really uh, benefits IBM, other than maybe keeping them relevant with the technology and with hardware that, that is obviously very successful and and, uh, and always in demand. But yeah, it, it seems to be just not quite a very forward-thinking company in today's day and age. Third quarter profits for Halliburton came in better than expected. They also increased their quarterly dividend. And yet the stock isn't really moving the way... I mean, normally you see that kind of one-two punch. Uh, that's usually enough to pop a stock. Why is this stock not reacting more positively? I just think the the market in the oil and, and natural gas um, services has a little weight on its shoulders right now with the fact that oil prices are so low. If oil prices stay this low for a while, you know, drilling activity is going to slow down because companies aren't going to want to spend this money and then not reap the benefits of high, higher oil prices, as marginal cost is around 80 to $85 for a lot of these fields in the United States. And unfortunately, that's where we're at right now. So um, this was a, yeah, you're right, huge quarter for Halliburton. I mean, they used to take a hit for not being overexposed to international like a Schlumberger. But this quarter proves that sticking with North America is not a bad business decision because they blew it out of the water 16% up on revenues, Dividend up 20% now for shareholders. They increased the amount of money they can put towards share buybacks. Um, just really great things on the completion and production side. So they're not drilling as much as they were, but those wells have now been drilled. There's more wells per pad, which you, which is basically um, rather than having to drill individual wells, you're just using the same well site and uh, hitting multiple different layers of these of these uh, shale resources. So. You know, internationally, a lot of growth still left, but I think it's just weighed down by the current market dynamics and the oversupply of oil. Because the United States is producing uh, this in July of this year, they produced 14 more, 14 percent more oil than we did last July. So if, if that continues to grow, um, the supply is going to remain, and the prices might be subdued. But I don't look for that to be a long-term trend. What do you think of the stock in terms of its valuation? Because in the summer, shares of Halliburton were trading in the mid 70s. Mm -hmm. Today, it's around $52 right. a share. Is this a bargain, or was the mid-70s sort of 
I don't want to say overinflated, but did it make it kind of rich and now it's coming back to reasonable? Yeah, in my opinion, this is a potentially really great opportunity to enter into Halliburton. You look at some of these service companies that have taken a hit, I think that they're probably better to, uh, option to look at than some of the producers right now because producers are, are going to take a little bit longer to overcome these low oil prices. Um, and with, like I mentioned, the marginal cost of oil is $80 a barrel, and it's not getting any cheaper, especially for um, OPEC countries, which really dominate the overall production landscape. So um, if you're looking for a, a cyclical time to get into some of these companies, I think this could be it. And Halliburton, with its expertise in fracking, which has really only been utilized in North America, um, now Mexico's reforming its energy sector, and Halliburton has great exposure to the Gulf of Mexico and Mexico. So that's going to be a big catalyst for this company, I think, moving forward. And they've drilled the first fracking well in Argentina a couple years ago, the same thing with China and Iraq. So they're out there, and uh, once fracking, if it does take off like it did here in the United States, which I would be surprised if it doesn't, I think Halliburton's a great way to play that. Third quarter results for Hasbro, they look they look good. They, Frank, I, I'll be honest, Jason, they didn't look as good as Halliburton's looked to me. The, you know, <laughs> revenue was in line. Uh, they barely beat on the profit. Uh, and yet, shares are up more than 3%. It is within a few cents of an all-time high. Yeah. How good is Hasbro right now? Well, okay, so, you know, we were talking about Mattel's earnings last week, and that wasn't really all that great. So I, I came up with a good analogy here. So Hasbro is direct TV Rob Lowe. Mattel <laughs> is far less attractive Rob Lowe. And if you can just look at it from that context there, I think it makes a little bit more sense. Uh, let's get back to Hasbro in a second. I see, I, I'm watching football over the yeah, weekend. Yeah. I see those direct TV ads with Rob Lowe. Am I the only one who finds them just mildly disturbing? They are a little odd. I think the creepy one is even is even more disturbing because, like he's <laughs> He likes to watch people swimming at the pool. I mean, that's like... It threw a chuckle out of me the first they, quarter yeah, of the time they, I saw it. They strike me as the type of commercials that, in the pitch meeting, the adver advertising firm was just thrilled with what yeah. they had come up with. But in execution, that's not making me... As, as much as I hate Comcast, and I do... I, I'm not switching to DirecTV because of those commer commercials. Comcast tweets from you. Oh, yeah. I, saw, I was going to say, I saw that Comcast tweet over the weekend, and I saw that DirecTV replied to your tweet. Did you yeah, see did that? Did they really? Dish did. Yeah. Oh, dish oh did. that was Dish. Okay, dish, my bad. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Whoever is doing the social media for Dish is pretty smart because they're, they're basically uh, trolling Twitter for people who are complaining <laughs> about their cable and just sending them direct messages That's saying, right. hey, sorry to hear you're having trouble with your cable. Would love to talk to you about what we could do for you. Here's the line in the sand. Come on over. Exactly. That's funny. Let's get back to Hasbro. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, it's, you know, Hasbro, I think, is benefiting from, uh, I mean, they're benefiting, obviously, from Nerf, the, the Nerf properties and Transformers. And as uh, silly as that may sound, you know, I mean, office, you'll find Nerf guns everywhere. I was going to say, we're supporting that top um, line pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I think you look at something like Mattel, where they, they had an extreme weakness on Barbie. Well, so Barbie is... is Obviously, a girl's toy. I think that you know, or Hasbro has done a good job of with the Nerf properties of of crossing the market so that they have boys' products and girls' products. So they they benefit, I think, from that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's they. I think the future really is what's most encouraging with Hasbro because of this Disney deal that they just signed. There's going to be a lot of money that's going away from Mattel and, and into Hasbro's bank account, and and that to me. Um, is it's going to be very significant here. I mean, it's something that you know they benefit from the Marvel properties. They benefit now from the the other Disney princess properties. They continue just to shell out all 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 of the toys that are related with those properties, and and they that that to me is really. 
going to be what you want to look at for with this company in the coming years. I think, I, yeah, it's it's almost at an all time high. I don't know that it's the stock that I would have at the top of my watch list, but I mean, there are certainly reasons to be very optimistic for the coming years. Uh, two things. Uh, one, I want to be very clear for our dozens of listeners, uh, lest anyone think we're being um, uh, gender specific in a cavalier way. This is how the toy companies report their oh, own yeah, results. Yeah. They break it out by girls, mm-hmm, by yeah. boys, etc. cetera. Uh, the second point, just looking over, and I, you know, in part because we just talked about it last week, and, and there's the recency effect, I can't help but compare the two portfolios of Hasbro and Mattel. And to me, Hasbro just seems to have, uh, I don't want to say necessarily much stronger across the board, but there's nothing in their portfolio that I look at and think, boy, that's a weak spot for them. They really seem to have a very good balanced portfolio, including, by the way, video games. Yeah. Uh, and I think, to, to your point, you're right. The Disney acquisition, acquisition, the Disney deal um, certainly sets them up for success. I'm wondering to see, I'm, I'm curious to see how much optimism gets priced into that once they start rolling out, because that's, that is a tremendous opportunity for Hasbro, but if they don't execute well on it, then they are just throwing money down a hole. Precisely. I mean, that's it. All boils down to execution, uh, and, and I think a lot of the you know that they're going to. I just they're going to reap the benefits. I think of, of really what Disney uh, of where Disney succeeds because these Star Wars movies that will be coming out, I, I would anticipate them to be you know pretty successful. I think a lot of people are very excited that this, you know is, is sort of. Uh, taking hold again, Star Wars fever, and I mean the, t- the toys that they sell from just Star Wars alone are going to be phenomenal. But I mean, when you when you tack on those other Disney properties, the princesses, you tack on uh, things from Marvel, you just you see a lot of different ways for them to win. And yeah, it's it's ultimately going to boil down to execution. But it's a well-run company too. I mean, they've done a good job over the course of time buying back shares and bringing that share count down. I mean, if you look back to two thousand and nine to today. Uh, share count is down about six and a half percent, and they pay a three point two percent dividend, uh, which I, I anticipate that will continue to grow. So I think that you know if you're looking for a good income play, uh, th- this is certainly one worth looking at. I wish we had Balloonicorn's point of view here. <laughs> <laughs> She's out partying to the results. Um, yeah, James Early made the point on the radio show last week um, when I was asking him about sort of Mattel versus Hasbro. He said, well, both of them are recommendations in the income inv- investor service. So, uh, you know, he's basically hedged when he's it comes to toy makers. quite nicely. Well, and yeah, I mean, Hasbro is a recommendation in Stock Advisor. Um, it is, it is, Mattel is not. And, you know, I think part of the the idea behind Hasbro was beyond the toys, uh, the, the video implications. They, they have this relationship with Discovery and the Hub Network, which has been renamed uh, Discovery Family, I think. And they, they've whittled down their that's interest good, in that a little Hub bit. Because Hub Network is not, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that's doing, not helping. It wasn't doing it. But, uh, you know, they whittled, they whittled their investment down slightly in that venture so that Discovery holds more ownership. And, and Hasbro will continue to provide content for that. They have their own movie studio, and they're working on some movies uh, here in the coming years. And so, again, I mean, it, 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 these toy companies, we're looking for them to, you know, embrace technology, change with the times. And, and I think Hasbro is doing a good job of that. So, uh, if you're looking for a toy company, I mean, it, obviously... It's going to boil down to between you know Mattel and Hasbro, and it seems that Hasbro has the upper hand right now. One headline worried me a little bit. It was from Forbes. It said Hasbro misses third quarter earnings estimate as preschool sales soften. Last time I checked, preschoolers don't have that much disposable income, so <laughs> to to 
to rely on on a such young age group, I mean, the whims of those kids, I mean, can they really even tell their parents at that age, like three and four, what that, they want to play with? That's where you got to market to grandparents. That's it. I guess so. that's true. And, it's and a big market there, believe it or not. Market, I was looking at that yeah. grandparents' uh, angle there, and it's amazing the money that grandparents yeah. do spend on their grandkids. These these companies definitely benefit from that. And to your point, uh, Mattel and Hasbro, those are the two major options that you have if you're looking to buy a toy maker until we figure out a way to convince the people behind the Lego company to take that <laughs> thing public, because I would buy that in a heartbeat. I think I would, too. Thanks, guys. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Heather Horton. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.